So who are you building a bridge for? Are you making a difference or just scraping by with what's been given to you? Are you living day to day or are you advancing the kingdom of God? I believe you wanna leave a legacy. I believe you wanna leave a legacy for your kids, for your grandkids, for the next generation, for our community. I'm, I'm just, I believe that's who you are. In a recent study, it said 84% of millennials believe it's their duty to change the world. I love that. It's why they're called the passion generation. So how about it, young adults? How about it, millennials? How about it, students? Do your habits reflect that it is your passion to change the world? Because if your habits do not reflect your values, nothing is going to change. And speaking of change, let me tell you where we need some change. We need some change at Austin East and in the community, what's going on over there. A couple that are in leadership at Faith Promise got a prayer gathering yesterday for Austin East, but I want us to stop this weekend, every service, every campus. I, I can't fathom burying your child. See, kids are supposed to bury their parents. Parents are not supposed to bury their kids. But especially the young man who, uh, who, was, who was killed, nothing to do with gangs, nothing just, I mean, a squeaky clean, incredible young man, the pride of his family, just shot down, senseless, ridiculous violence. God, we want to come right now as a family and intercede for Austin East, for that school, its administrators and teachers and counselors that are trying to figure out where to go and what to do next, how to move forward, the fear that's in that community of will there, will there be another shooting God, I don't understand why young adults, even, even teenagers, join a gang when they could join a church. God, give us more life-giving churches. Put, give us a campus in the inner city of Knoxville that we could be a hope center where people wouldn't have to be a part of a, a gang about killing, but they could be a part of God's gang, changing the world. So God, we pray for the families. We pray for the community. We pray for transformation for our city's leaders, we pray, Jeremiah said, pray for the peace of the city that God has placed you in. So God, we ask for peace is our prayer in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, now whether you're listening online or one of our campuses, welcome this weekend. We love you so much. Let me ask you a question. Do you believe more for Faith Promise Church? How about more campuses? More ministries? More salvations? more baptisms. Do we want to advance the kingdom of God? Well, let me tell you, come on, give him praise. Because <clears throat> let me just bottom line it for you. The level of generosity that we give at Faith Promise limits or expands the level of vision. See, the elders and myself and the exec team, we get to we get to get with God and get where we're going, but you get to set the speed with which we get there. Last week, we looked at three servants in Matthew's gospel, the 25th chapter, and the last servant, because of a wrong attitude about God, a wrong attitude about money, he firmly believed he was in a position not to make any kind of difference. 
And, and there are a lot of us that feel the same way. You just don't understand, Pastor. I'm not in a position to make a difference. I have or someone else did dug a hole financially and I am in debt. Others are digging holes, burying their treasure, just buying stuff here that simply won't last instead of heaping generosity on the people that we love and the kingdom of God. So in this series, we're talking about our habits and I wanna give you an unforgettable habit. An unforgettable habit is generosity. Now, if you're still trying to dig your way out of a financial mess, man, we're with you, we love you, we're there for you. If you missed last week, you can go back and get it because it begins with a budget, beginning to plan financially. Now, on your seats, there's a card. If you'll pull that up, everybody grab one. If you're online, hit the QR code. This card will come up. And so if you're online or you're in person, but you'd rather do it digitally because I'm gonna ask for these cards at the end of this experience. So we gotta get raw and real of understanding where we are to know where we need to be. Would y'all agree with that? We gotta understand, so I want you to, I mean, with, let's just be honest. So on the, where it says developing heaven's heart, how would you say you and your family are doing financially right now? Are you down on numbers one and two, emergency, living seamless checks and seamless check? Are you praying for Congress right now that they'll pass a bigger bill so that you'll get a bigger check? Or are you moving on up? You're, are you in a bind having to pick which bills you'll pay, which bills you'll have to hold off to next month? Keep moving up. You're, you're making it. You still have enough money for the month, but budget is tight, maybe limited in your generosity. Or you're on up to the high side. You are strong financially. You have margin in your budget. You're funding your retirement. You're giving generously, and money doesn't have you, but you have money. So I want you to answer those honestly, because just a second, we're going to pray for people in each one of those. Because no matter where you are, we don't, even if you're in a hole, God doesn't want to leave you there. That's why we're here this weekend. That's why God brought you this weekend. It's not an accident. It's not a coincidence that you're with us this weekend. It is God's plan for you to walk in financial freedom and for many of us, we're gonna have to develop new habits. So down on the bottom right corner of this card, if you are struggling, you're, you know, budget, whatever, listen, put sign up for that. We will get in touch with you, help you get in a small group or financial class to help build, build good financial biblical habits so that God can bless you in incredible ways so that you'll be a, you can make a difference in the kingdom and the lives of other people. So God, I wanna pray for every promiser, every attender this weekend, every guest. God, I pray for just financial favor. I pray for those that are struggling. Maybe they didn't learn any good financial habits from the home and it's just passed over from generation to generation. And God, you wanna break that curse. Get people into good financial habits. Others are just sort of making it. Others, God, you bless I pray that, you'll, that you will move in such a way this weekend that you will peel the scales back from our eyes and that we can see how we can be generous regardless of our income level. So God, I pray that you'll expose us. God, you do, it is not your will that we live in financial bondage. So God, we pray you'd set us free in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, come on, give the Lord some praise this weekend. Because listen, there 
is hope. Are you with me? Come on, and listen, our hope is not in the political system. In Jesus' name, we're in trouble if it's in the political system. That is just absolutely the craziest thing I've seen in my whole life the last 10 years of politics. This series is, is developed out of a verse that God just put on my heart years ago, Hebrews chapter five, verse 14, solid food, talking about the word of God, the meat of the word, solid food, it's for the mature. How did they get that way? Who, because of practice or holy habits, have their senses trained to discern between good and evil. Some of us financially have bad habits and we've never learned good biblical habits and so our senses aren't trained and we don't even realize that God doesn't want you to live paycheck to paycheck. I, this is not prosperity gospel. You need a Mercedes in your garage. and a, That's not what this is. But it is not God's will that you live in bondage. Are you with me? It's for freedom that Christ set us free. And part of that is financial. But you've got to have good biblical stewardship habits if you're going to do that. So in this series, we're giving you all kind of new habits or maybe reminding you of some old ones so that you will receive more of God's favor. It's our theme this year, Psalms 90, verse 17. Our theme verse is, is, is uh, again, Psalms 90, verse 17. May the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and confirm the work of our hands. Yes, confirm the work of our hands. So whether you're a Christ follower or you're just, you're not even sure what you believe, we're, inc we're incredibly grateful because listen, you may not be sure if there's a God, but God's sure there's a you. And he's got an incredible plan for you and a design for your life and your finances. And when you begin to step over the line of faith, you're gonna enter life abundant. You're gonna enter life that is absolutely transformative. You're gonna enter into some incredible stuff. The apostle Paul, uh, probably one of the most committed men in all of the Bible wrote one third of the New Testament and the, what, the, what the New Testament, what he wrote and most of it were letters to people or churches or groups of people. So Paul writes a letter to his young protege that it, because Paul was a disciple that made disciples. So he writes and in near the end of the first letter to Timothy, he says this in chapter six, verse six. But godliness is actually a means of great gain when accompanied by contentment. Listen, Americans, we simply cannot develop contentment because we're too busy comparing what we have to everyone else. And as long as you're gonna live a life of comparison, you'll never live a life of contentment. You get 5,000 more square feet, it doesn't matter. You get more horsepower, that Gucci bag, you get that newer car, truck, whatever, it doesn't matter. Why? Because there's always somebody's got more square footage, more feet on their boat. Come on, there's a, re there's a reason, rednecks, every bass boat has glitter on it. <laughs> I'm not sure you got to get to that bass at 135 miles an hour, but if you have one, good for you. But it's, it's see, when it comes to by contentment, for we brought nothing into the world, so we can take nothing out of it. If we have food and covering with these, we shall be content. Now, here's the warning, Americans. This verse was written for us today. If you're listening, say, I am. For those that want to get rich, what percentage of people that live in our country would you say fall into that category? Half? More? 75%? Okay. 
we're not going to go to 100 because that means you would fall in that category and we know better than that. So for those that want to get rich, warning, warning Will Robinson. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a snare and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge men into ruin and destruction. Wow. For the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil. And some by longing for it have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Wow. Now this is probably the most misquoted verse in all the Bible. The verse does not say that money is the root of all sorts of evil. The Bible says the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil and problems, real people with real problems. And really, if you go back to Jesus in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said you can't serve God and mammon. We translate that money. It's not money. The Greek word is mammon, which is the Assyrian god of wealth. That Assyrian god now is the American god. It's the God of wealth. It's the God of more. It's the insatiable desire to acquire. It's just that God that has infiltrated and there's temples built to that God. All other television shows that God. Lifestyles of the rich and famous. Look how rich people have some and feel like your life sucks all the time. Are you with me? That God is alive. See, money is neutral. Money's not good. Money's not bad. The love of money is what is negative. Habits can be good, they can bless your life, or habits can be bad and they can destroy your lives. Does this make sense? They can create good, they can create harm. That's just the way that it is. We all know stories of people whose lives been ruined by money. Matter of fact, it's the number one reason people say they get divorced in America today, arguing over money. So let's be real. Thousands of people this weekend across our campuses, there are a lot of you that are spending time arguing, debating, fussing and fighting, stress and anxiety, high blood pressure, ulcers over money. You have become a slave to money. And Jesus said, I came to set you free. Make money your slave. Are you with me? It's a great slave. It's a horrible master. So last weekend, we asked you to create to begin two habits. Number one, build a budget before the month begins. And number two, stop comparing and start being content. And so we're gonna build on that to another atomic habit. And this habit's gonna make an incredible difference in your life. And I want you to, listen, I want you to, to think. I know you're not supposed to think in church. But I want you to think with me. Are, are you with me? Some of us grew up in church, we've listened to so many sermons that we did nothing about that our hearts grown hard. So I want you to think, because I want you to live the life that Jesus bought for you, which is John 10, 10. I came to give you life and give it to you in abundance. Come on, somebody, give him praise. <clears throat> so I wanna give you, I, uh, I wanna give you an, an unforgettable gift, a glimpse of a life of generosity and abundance. Because here's an atomic truth. When someone gives generous, generously to you, it's unforgettable. I have people in my mind that I haven't seen for, for 40 years who are generous to me. That, and some of them are dead, I'll never forget. 
There's a gentleman that helped Michelle and I in Louisiana. I will never, I have told his son, who's a pastor now in Lake Charles that I talk to and mentor and, and, and tell him stories of his mom and dad and what they did back before he ever knew what was going on. So last year, I moved in this, these, started me thinking these thoughts of, I want to be more generous. I, not, just to, not just in tithes and offerings, I want to be the most generous person I know. I want to outgive my wife. I want to outgive my kids. I want to outgive you. I want to be, frankly, the number one giver at Faith Promise Church. The number one giver. That, that, that's my goal. And you say, well, it's competitive. Well, that's all right. I'm just trying to outgive you. And so, just it's me. So last year, I began working on this. And I've told you this story, but I decided the first birthday that came up after I decided to be generous was Micah's. He turned 33, and I decided to give him this car that I built, this 1980 Corvette. That's called Pull Me Over Red. It's a real Corvette color. He deserved the white car, but I gave him the red car. I spent two years building that car. He will never forget that gift. Took me 30 minutes to talk him into believing that I was actually giving him this car with no strings attached. Are you with me? If he sold it tomorrow, that'd be his deal. Doesn't matter. I give with no strings attached. And so, come on, come on. Just, man, be a giver. Just generous. You remember when somebody was generous to you? Come on, if you're listening, say, I am. If you want to be unforgettable, be unforgettably generous. Nobody remembers stingy people. And if they remember you, they don't like you. So how does it begin? I want you to follow. I'm going to rapidly fire this. So if you're taking notes, get ready. It begins with abundance, and abundance is a mindset, not an income level. Abundance is a mindset, not an income level. I'm going to destroy that lie before this message is over. So Jesus is walking with his disciples in, in uh, Luke 21, and he shows up at the synagogue because he had the habit of going to the synagogue every Sabbath, as was his custom, his habit, and he stops and he watches the offering. He watches the offering. In, in verse one, he looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the treasury. And he saw a poor widow putting in two copper coins and he said, truly I say to you, this poor widow put in more than all of them. Listen to me. The value of those two copper mites does not equal a penny today. If you see a penny on the floor, you're not going to stop and pick it up. Might not even pick up a nickel. A quarter you'll probably get. It was less than a penny, and it was the biggest offering of the weekend. See, for they had all put in out of their surplus, put in the offering, but she out of her poverty put in all that she had to live on. But Pastor, you don't understand, I don't have enough to be generous. No, it's not about your income, it's about your mindset. Because most of you are making more money than you made five years ago. Is that right? Is that right? And yet most of you don't give any more than you gave five years ago. Because you spent, you, you spent every dime you made five years ago, and you spend every dime you make now. And so you walk around, I love to be generous, I can't. It's a lie of the devil, less than one penny. And God is shocked and awed by the generosity of this widow. See, when you believe the lie that you can't be generous, you miss out on favor. 
you miss out on faith and you miss out on unforgettable moments that will make a difference in your life. When Micah is 60 years old, and if he's still got that car, if there's still gasoline, who knows? When he will tell his kids and his grandkids what his daddy gave him when he was 33. See, be that generous person that blows people out of the water. So how can I do that, Pastor? Because I think you ought to bring your tithes into the storehouse. And then some of you give more. But, I, but this is beyond your offering. This is just your life. So how can I become a, just a generous giver? Let me give you some just quick ways. All right, if you're ready, say I'm ready, of how you can do it. Be creative in your gift giving. Just be creative. Think about what you're going to give. And give things that you can build on. I have a friend of mine who writes, has six grandkids. Every birthday, he writes a poem for his grandkids. That is one of the most precious possessions that those grandkids have. He set, just turned 74 yesterday, John Maxwell. His, his grandkids, most prized possession. Why? See, a gift gets the best part of you in it. Does this make sense? Underline the gifts you give with experiences. Michelle, I gave her my devotional Bible. That Bible didn't cost me any money because John Maxwell gave me that Bible. I said, here, Chris, I want you to have this. And I use it as my study Bible for six years, and then I gave it to Michelle for Christmas. She was blown out of the water. Listen, didn't cost me a penny. I also wrote her a poem for Christmas. Their two best gifts didn't cost one cent. Abundance is a mindset, not an income. Are you with me? Come on, are you with me? So... When you give, put some skin in the game. It increases the value even if the cost was nothing. Extend your gifts. Never be satisfied. Man, make the experience longer. Do it. Here's another atomic truth. When you give generously, it's just as unforgettable as when you give an incredible gift. That's why I want to challenge you to be on the Bible reading plan. Come on. You say, Pastor, you bring that up every stinking weekend. Well, you're not all doing it. So I'm going to keep bringing it up to y'all. The wife likes it. All right, we'll get on the plan. I'll quit talking about it. And so there's a QR code on the screen. Don't try to catch up. Just jump in with us. And let's read the scripture together. Because as we read the scripture together, habit, we're going to grow. We're going to grow. In Matthew 26, we've actually read this story already in the Bible reading plan. And, and probably at your campus, a worship leader may have used this during our, during our uh, worship. Michelle used it this week in Matthew 26, 6. Now, Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon the leper. A woman came to him with an alabaster vial of very costly perfume and poured it out on his head as he reclined at the table. Now, we know that, that is a, 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 that's about 50 grand because it's the average household income for a year. It's what it costs. And the average household income, not talking salary, but both salaries, average household income is about $50,000. That's what it cost. But the disciples were indignant. I wonder if they didn't think Jesus was worth the offering. I wonder why they were mad. Because they said, well, you know, this could have been sold and the money given to the poor. They didn't give a rat's rear end about giving money to the poor. They were probably mad that he got it and they didn't get it. But there was an issue. And you know what? Some of y'all, no lie. If your family and your friends knew how much money you gave to God through this church, they'd be indignant too. Are you with me? I could never tell my family. I still today couldn't tell my family what I get. 
because they, they, they'd be mad about it. And, and so, but Jesus, aware of this, said to them, why do you bother the woman for she has done a good deed to me? She basically anointed his, his body for burial. So, man, you talk about worship. See, extravagant worship comes out of a heart full of love. And so this weekend, maybe you want to begin serving as an act of love. You can hit the QR code on the screen. Or if you want to be a part of the worship team at all of our physical locations, they'll be out in the foyer after this campus. See, when you love like this woman loves, you give like this woman gave. So how, how can I become an extravagant giver? I'm so glad you asked. I'm going to help you. Are you ready? Are you ready? Come on, behind schedule. Give unexpectedly. Give out of the blue. Blow people away. Give something to someone every day that you don't get anything they can't repay you. Butch Hoffer in this service taught me years ago to keep a $100 bill in my pocket at all times. And when you see somebody need, just give it to them. And he said, there are times that I didn't have enough time to tell them, so I always kept a card with a hundred. So when I gave the money, I gave a card to tell people Jesus loved them. So if you're at the Waffle House and your waitress is 74, she is not there because she likes the waffles. She's working because she has to. Give her a big old fat tip. If you're in a restaurant and a single mother's there and you can afford to give a $100 tip. There are many times I tip more than my meal cost. Now, a lot of people know me in Chattanooga, so I have to tip even if the meal's bad. But listen, just give. So give unexpectedly. Give intentionally. Here's, here's my theme. Give more and don't keep score. I want, like I said, I want to be the number one giver. I want to outgive everybody I know. I want to outgive them in love. I want to outgive them in words. I want to outgive them. So just give, give more. Don't keep score. A lot of you say, well, you know, I bought all this stuff. They didn't buy me anything back. Keeping score. Aren't you glad God doesn't? Give strategically like Mary did to Jesus. She had no idea when she gave. She was anointing his body for burial, preparing him for the cross. Man, do it. I spent two years, every free moment, at a buddy of mine's garage building that car. And it said, here, give personally. Come on. When it comes to generosity and faith promise, I will never ask you to do anything that Michelle and I aren't already doing. We began, oh, 30 years ago to give 20%. Gross, 20%. We get more than that because Heart for Harvest pushes us over. When we started giving 20%, I made $16,000 a year. We had three kids living in a rental home in a little town called Jennings. Michelle was cleaning houses. We were doing everything we could do to put food on that table, pastoring 25, 30, 40, 50 people. Are you with me? And we gave. So don't believe the lie you can't give. Just don't believe it. So how do I, how do I become an amazing giver? Are you ready? If you're ready, say, I'm ready. ready. Increase your standard of giving over your standard of living. Well, that was I didn't go over well, like a ham sandwich at a Hebrew party. Jim, did you just had three people with a golf clap? Why? Because we get a raise, we increase our standard of living, and we increase our standard of living. If you start increasing your standard of giving, it'd be incredible what God could do in your life. It would absolutely rock your world. Hebrews chapter 13 says this. Again, it's a new Bible, it doesn't turn right. Hebrews 13, five, make sure that your character is free from the love of money, being content with what you have. For he himself said, I'll never desert you. I will never, ever forsake you. 
I, I really believe it's more fun to give it than it is to earn it. I got a lot of friends that are business. I've, I've, got, a, I've got a few billionaire friends, and there are several millionaire friends that go here who love to do, they, love, they got the art of the deal, man. But the, so many of them make money just to give money. Are you with me? They make money to give money. They know that they're a river. They're not a dam heaping it up for just me and mine. So give unforgettably, give generously. Matter of fact, I'm, I'm already so far over time. Pull the card back out. Pull the card back out, would you? So there are four levels of giving. I changed them. I changed one of them. Now, again, if you're in a bind, sign up for the financial class and let's develop some biblical habits. I'll say, what level are you ready? To? So there'll be 100 families that'll begin the generosity journey this weekend in Jesus' name. But where do you wanna be at? Beginner, so you spent your whole life thinking all the church wanted is your money and now you're here and you fall in love with God, you wanna give. <laughs> Isn't God good? Just beginner, I'm gonna start giving. Level two is a learner. I now have begun giving and love it. I'm putting God in my budget. It's just not 10% yet. Level three is core. I'm gonna bring my tithes into the storehouse. And level four is new. We call it kingdom builders. It is people that, that, that develop their life around the ability to give. So listen, you don't have to give a million dollars to be a kingdom builder. That widow that gave less than a penny was a kingdom builder. It's about saying, I'm gonna organize my life around giving more than 10% to the advance the gospel and the kingdom of God. A single mother can be a kingdom builder. Are you with me? And then we have people that give hundreds of thousands of dollars. We want, so what level, go ahead and check it, and you're gonna put these, uh, deposit them as you leave, or if you're online, you're gonna go ahead and submit that. I'm gonna pray over those, believe God to rock your world financially, because if you'll begin those holy habits, this is what I believe, I believe God will meet you out there and help you. Are you with me? All right, I had a bunch more, but I'm already out of time. Here's the deal. The greatest offering ever given was God paying for your sin. For God so loved the world that he gave. Salvation by grace through faith, not of yourselves. It's a gift of, it's a gift of God so that you can't brag. The Bible says we've all sinned. Come on, y'all know that, don't you? And the Bible says the ways of sin is death, but the free gift of God. But God demonstrated his love for us in the while we were sinners, yet Christ died for us. And then Romans 10, 13, whosoever would call upon the name of the Lord would be saved. God, I'm, I wanna call on you. I realize we're separated. I realize I've been a sinner. It's not about religion. This is about I realize I need you. I need you. I'm praying, God, if you're, if you're not, if you don't have a relationship with it, he'll bring such heavy conviction on you right now, you won't be able to eat lunch. You won't be able to sleep tonight. You say, well, don't, don't, don't pray that way. Yeah, 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 because you don't want to miss heaven. God, bring conviction. So if you're ready to begin a relationship with him, with heads bowed, eyes closed, and will lead us in a simple confessional prayer. And so we're gonna pray this prayer out loud with you. Come on, pray this with us. Dear Jesus, I know I've sinned. I know that we're separated. My fault. I'm so sorry. Forgive me. I confess you as Lord. I receive your gift of salvation, of forgiveness and adoption. I turn from my old life and I turn to you.